Motor Podcast, Andrew Dowdy, Chase Kitty, College Football on the High Motor Podcast this week, like every week, and we're going to get deeper into this piece at the beginning in future episodes, talking about scheduling, impact on the season, impact on conference titles, playoff, and all that, but Chase, you and I haven't really talked about this yet. We exchanged a few texts about potential future topics after the Big Ten decision came down, but we haven't really gotten into this, and I want to start the show with this really quickly before we finish up this neighborhood stuff with the Big Ten and Pac-12 announcements for a conference-only schedule this season. We expect other conferences to follow in that, even though the Big 12 seems pretty adamant that this decision was made too early. Maybe they'll try to uh, get away with doing non-conference games. But anyways, I get that this sucks, that we don't get Oregon-Ohio State, that we don't get Michigan-Washington, North Dakota State, Oregon, Virginia Tech, Penn State, Nebraska-Cincinnati. I get all of that. Like, I'm bummed that we don't get that. But we also knew that this was always on the table unless these people that are in the know of college football are just blowing smoke which they weren't this is seems like it's always been an option and honestly I didn't think that this was like that bad of an announcement it was surprising because it's still a huge huge moment in college football but this 10 game big 10 schedule that seems like is actually going to happen I mean yes they said conference only but there is plans to go to a 10 game big 10 schedule Given the circumstances and everything going on in sports, in college football over the last four-ish months, if we get a 10-game Big Ten conference schedule, I mean, is that really that much worse than a regular 12-game season? Do you think it is? I don't think it is at all. Yeah, I think in reality, what what's happened here is everybody dropped one game, right? I know there's a couple of cases where people had two Power 5 games, but if you're a fan of, I don't know, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, pick anybody, do you really care about those other two games you're not going to play? Do you care that you're not going to play Miami of Ohio now? Like, I don't think anybody thinks that game is meaningful, competitive, has any effect on the playoff picture. So in reality, everybody lost one game, and a lot of them are high profile. I understand that. I'm interested, uh, I, I guess... From my own personal background, I know West Virginia is supposed to play Florida State, and if the ACC and the Big 12 end up still doing their thing because they haven't announced yet, does that somehow become like the marquee September game? I don't know. There's a lot we still don't know, but I do think, like a lot of things, the initial reaction usually goes too far, and people are freaking out maybe a little too much about how meaningful this is. As of right now, there's still a season on the table. There's still conference championships. Most of the high-profile conference games are still on the table. So it sucks that we lost those interesting Week 1 or Week 2 matchups. But I think in the grand scheme of things, if there's still a season, I think this is a win. If it means we can still have the season by pushing back the start of most things, I think this is a win. Do you remember, I don't know, it was probably like two or three months ago now where you and I were talking about, I think it was on a podcast episode, I'm pretty sure it was, what does, what do we need for a college football season? Like, what does a college football season have to feel like? And like, yeah, we made some like offhanded comments. I think you said something like, I want to get drunk on a Wednesday night and bet 
too much money on Akron and Bowling Green. Yeah. Like, I get that you want that, but it was more said, like, in jest, and we were actually talking about what it what we need for something to feel like an actual college football season. Let's say every Power 5 conference ends up going to this, and whether it's a 9-game or a 10-game conference schedule, that, to me, still feels like a college football season, doesn't it? Yeah, you have enough ingredients that you're going to be able to have something right. that vaguely resembles what a normal season is. You're still going to have... You know, two to three months of football, you're still going to have conference championships. So, like, it's it's all going to work out. Do I personally enjoy some of the weirder or, like, side tangenty kind of stuff? Sure. And, and I know other people are like that, too. But we're still going to be able to identify what's happening as a college football season if it happens like we think it will right now today as we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can ride in two lanes here and say that, like, personally, we've talked about Nebraska and South Dakota State on the show before. You and I have talked about that offline. I thought South Dakota State was going to go to Lincoln and win. Assuming that happened and I was right, which is still a big assumption, yeah, not that not happening, I will miss that. Like I said, I'll miss Oregon and Ohio State and Michigan, Washington, all these storylines, but I don't even think that we're – I don't think we're even close to the point of college football not feeling like college football. And we're going to talk more about this in the, in the next few episodes. We want to talk about – the impact this could have on the playoff, what a playoff schedule might look like for a team, the path, maybe the Big Ten will release their, their revised schedule here at some point. So there's a lot to be broken down with this, but I wanted to get your take uh, at the beginning of the show before we wrap up the College Football Neighborhood Series today. At least I assume we're going to wrap it up here. I think that we have two more neighborhoods. There might be an argument that we have three more neighborhoods to go, but even if we do have three, I still think that uh, unless you want to get deep into New Mexico State football for the next decade, I think we'll probably wrap it up. Uh, today, part six of a series that I really enjoyed doing. I think it was a great idea by you. We've created six neighborhoods of teams entering the next decade through the first five parts of this series. And again, it seems like we have two neighborhoods left. We have a bunch of leftovers from last week's discussion. You know, Power five, the Illinois, Colorado, Kansas, Texas Tech among them. Among them, we talked about Louisiana quite a bit. I assume they'll be in this sixth group, Buffalo. Uh, and then, I mean, I guess, what is the argument to be had? Because when I'm thinking about defining this group, uh, we briefly mentioned it last week, it seems like relevancy. When we're talking about, again, those teams that I mentioned in Illinois, Buffalo, Louisiana, it seems like relevancy that you're going to have a lot of three, four, five, six win seasons. You're going to pop up for the eight or nine win season a couple of times a decade. Louisiana being kind of on the top end of that, where they're more likely going to win seven, eight, nine games than they are three, four, or five. But you're going to have that relevancy where most fans know who you are. You're going to kind of flirt with the top 50 every now and again, but you're going to live a little bit more in like the top 60, top 70, top 80, top 90 teams of college football. You're not a great team, but you're not completely inept. Is that what you're thinking for this sixth neighborhood? And then do you think we need two more beyond that? Or are you good with shoving all the teams that don't get into this neighborhood just into one at the bottom? So I think the I think the argument for three is... Where we left off at the end of last episode, we were we were talking about teams that are maybe G5 teams, but they're consistently winning six, seven, eight games. So you kind of know who they are. They're players. They're not major players, but they're they're sort of regular. Uh, they're regularly on like Thursday night college football. Again, yeah, it's like the Nevada, Hawaii, Louisiana. I mentioned Fresno State, Western. They're, they're in that category, so they're relevant G5 programs, especially relevant for like what they are. And then you have sort of like the working class, like lower end, bottom 30, bottom 40 teams, but they're not dreadful. 
And then you would have that last group. If you were doing three, you would have one just dog shit group. This is like the Tom Fornelli bottom 10. Absolutely horrendous. Like so bad it's compelling kind of group where you are absolutely irrelevant. I'm not convinced it has to be three remaining neighborhoods. Uh, but I think if you were going to do three, that's the case for how you lay them out. And I am particularly interested in the idea of a dog shit kind of category there at the end where we put, you know, we're, we're like actively punishing bad neighbor, bad people, bad teams, teams who just really have no traction, don't know what they're doing, are actively incompetent, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. So basically the question is, would, let's take a team for example, like a, like a North Texas, a South Florida, Western Michigan. We'll talk about if they're actually in this six neighborhood. If they are, they're probably in the fringe. But let's take like Central Michigan, Western Michigan, even like a Northern Illinois. Would they be in the same neighborhood as a UMass, as a UConn, as an Akron? And we've talked so much over this series about every team in the neighborhood is not equal. We started that at the very beginning by saying that Oklahoma is in that first neighborhood because they're doing the same things that we're defining this neighborhood as. Like you are an annual playoff team. You're going to be making the playoff 70, 80% of the next decade. And you had said very wonderfully laid it out there that there are just bigger houses in the neighborhood. There are nicer houses with the heated tile. They might have the heated towel rack. They might have the indoor sport court. And there are another nice, nice houses down the block. And within those neighborhoods, we have tiers themselves. So it's a matter of asking ourselves again, do we feel comfortable putting like UConn in the same group as FIU, as Troy, as a Central Michigan, as a Kent State moving forward. Personally, I don't give a shit. I just like your idea of, you know what, let's really point out how bad we think UConn is moving forward, how bad we think UMass is moving forward. Akron, New Mexico, New Mexico State, UTEP, Bowling Green might be in that one. So I like that idea because I think there's something unique, kind of like what you said about what Tom Fornelli does. There's a bizarre fascination in college football with teams that are so bad. And I'm not sure if you and I have talked about this specifically, but I've talked about this a lot with other people, how Kansas got so bad for so long that people knew who they were. Like, they were relevant because of how bad they were. They were more talked about than those mid-level teams that are significantly above them. They were arguably more talked about last decade than, like, a Texas Tech was because they were so bad. Oh, I don't think it's arguable at all. The, I think the only reason anybody talked about Texas Tech the last decade, and we're saying this as Big 12 guys, is Mahomes. I think people. I don't think people knew Mahomes was going to be what he was in the NFL. I don't think no. they knew he was going to be this good. But people knew he was like, he, you know, crazy awesome arm, and he was sort of the best quarterback that came through there, blah, blah, blah. I, I can't think of a time where anybody really talked a lot about Texas Tech outside of those Mahomes teams since... What, the, you know, 2008 maybe? Yeah, I mean, it, the end it's of been Leach, a while. Yeah. yeah, I think you have to throw in Cliff Kingsbury too because there was always a fascination with his good looks and everybody thought he was going to come in and, and do a lot better and, and underwhelmed and how bad the defense was. Actually, that might even be why Texas Tech was probably more talked about than they should have been talked about because they can never figure out the defense, they have Mahomes and all that stuff. Yeah, so maybe it's not even arguable. In college football, it seems like more so than other sports, there is a fascination and a real like demand from college football fans to know more about these teams that are so, so bad. So maybe we do need to honor and have a fitting end to our neighborhood series by really highlighting the teams that are so dog shit, so inept 
They need their own neighborhood. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, and, and I think I think the argument for two neighborhoods, because it sounds like we're in agreement about a, just an absolutely dreadful neighborhood. I think the argument for just two left is, yes, there is clear separation between, uh, like you said, maybe, maybe a North Texas or a Louisiana and... Miami of Ohio. May, that that might not even be a great example because they were they were half decent last year. But it, there there is there's separation between G five programs, sure. But from ten thousand feet in the greater context of college football, does it really matter? And what what you said, this is kind of one of those things where we're different. You don't really care. I care a little bit more than you do. Maybe it's the gambling thing. Maybe it's I don't know. But I care a little bit more than you. But in the grand scheme of things, who cares? You know. Who cares about the gap between a seven-win G5 program and a four-win one? I, there's not terribly much difference there uh, in the macro sense. So maybe we go two, and then we have a lot of fun picking out maybe 10 or 12 programs that are just really, really terrible. Yeah, so let's jump into the six and talk about a lot of teams that we left off of just barely in a few cases like Louisiana. We talked a little bit about Illinois. Purdue, Arizona, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Oregon State. There's a pretty big P5 discussion in here, I think. But let's just really quickly, I think we can probably knock off quite a few teams. It seems like we we both think Nevada, Hawaii, Louisiana should be in this neighborhood. Definitely. Let's get down to some more. Uh, again, another Mountain West, Fresno State should be in here, I assume. Yes. And then Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, Buffalo, Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, Southern Miss, Toledo, FAU, and Charlotte. Any problem with those? No. Charlotte, a year ago, I would have had a problem with, but we like Will Healy. We, we like the investment. We like where they're going. And with how we've, we've kind of touched on this, with how we think that the coaching carousel is going to go this year, it seems highly possible that we won't have a fraction of the jobs that are open usually. So maybe Charlotte can hang on to Will Healy for another year, maybe another two years, and put them in a good position that when he does leave for a higher-level G5 job or a low-level P5 job, Charlotte can make a pretty decent hire there. So with the with those G5 teams in, uh, Miami of Ohio, Ball State, and Ohio from the MAC. What do you think about the MAC? Uh, I, I think you're I think you're right. I think all of those guys if are in neighborhood six. I mean, if we're only doing a neighborhood six and a neighborhood seven, they're all in six. Yeah, I agree. I think you can't deny what Frank Solich is in Ohio. Mike New finally has Ball State moving in the right direction with a little bit better injury luck last year. Miami of Ohio moving in the right direction. Got a lot of MAC programs that just feel like they're moving in the right direction. It feels like the MAC was so stagnant for so long that everyone was just kind of sitting there. And there are teams that are dipping a little bit. We've seen Northern Illinois dip a little bit. Um, Eastern Michigan, we'll see if they can come back and have a nice season this year. But it seems like a lot of MAC programs are moving in the right direction. Uh, Miami, Ohio, Ball State, Ohio. In there, uh, what do you think about Kent State and then your boys at Central Michigan? Uh, obviously, Central Michigan is in this neighborhood. They should probably be in two or three. Neighborhood What's two the Jim McElwain factor there? Do um, you care? It, it, it is 100%. Well, I shouldn't say 100%. It is a combination of the randomness and the mascot. There are no other factors that go into this. Absolutely none. It is. I value liking a random team for no reason and I, I like saying Chippewas I think That's they're it. in here I think Ken State in here I think they found something uh with Sean Lewis I think he's again kind of like in Will Healy's shoes super young not a whole lot of experience some interesting p5 experience I think he could stay there for a couple of years they took a huge step forward so I don't think you can keep them out uh moving forward I think from the Mac the only 
team left that we need to talk about. Western Michigan, and if you do want to talk about Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, probably the most talented team in the MAC uh, going into this year. I don't know if they have all the pieces to put it together, but I think they're probably in here, even though it feels like they're being unfair. Not even though. It feels like they're being unfairly evaluated based upon those last years of P.J. Fleck. And even after P.J. Fleck left, Western Michigan's still been a very decent, very relevant program. I think you're putting Central Michigan in here, Kent State in here. You have to put Western Michigan in here. And then I, I assume you agree with that, right? Yes. Northern Illinois, I don't know. They've been, they were so good for so long. They were the class of the MAC. I'm not entirely sure that they're in this neighborhood. Do you think they are? Or do you even care? Northern Illinois, I mean, they're not dreadful. So I think they have to be in here. They're not terrible. But who's going to be in that second, that that last neighborhood, than the eighth neighborhood? Maybe it's maybe it's easier to figure out who goes in the last neighborhood and then say everybody else goes in six. Yeah. This is actually the seventh neighborhood now that I look at it. I don't know why I was thinking six. Because oh, we yeah, had you're the, right, because the middle class. Wait, no. Yeah, yeah, we had right. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, so that was one. Yeah. Then we had two, so three. Three was the one with Wisconsin. Four mm-hmm. was USC, Florida State, Washington. Five was uh, Miami, Baylor, North Carolina, that one. Right. Six was your missionary, Michigan State, Minnesota, Houston. So this is seven. I misspoke. So seven is the Nevada, Hawaii, Louisiana, all that. Yeah. So going into eight, you're fine with putting the non-relevant or irrelevant teams in there. So bad, it's interesting. And then within that, you want to highlight the teams that are so, so bad that it's interesting? I think if you're in here, you are unequivocally so bad it's interesting. Because I don't think eight is a big neighborhood. I think it it almost comes back full circle toward the top where there's there's some selectivity in here. Like, I think if you join—this is my thought. You tell me if you think I'm wrong. If you joined FBS tomorrow, if you're a new FBS program, I don't think you come in— in neighborhood eight at the very bottom. I think you come in at seven. I think you have to earn your way into neighborhood eight by being so bad that like people have to send text messages to their friends about, did you see how incompetent X team was? Did you see that they lined up for the field goal to win the game with 13 people and that's how they lost? Last decade, I have this pulled up right here. Last decade, the fewest wins of any FBS program. Do you know who it was? Of any FBS program. Any FBS mm-hmm. program, P5, G5, anyone. UMass? Sorry, full-time FBS program. Okay, so yeah. So they, they weren't they weren't full-time. Yeah, they only they played 96 games. I think they yeah. didn't come until 2012 or 12. 2013. 12 sounds right. So there's um, one team with 21 wins, and then the next team above that is 29. I, it's not UConn, because UConn went to the Fiesta Bowl in the last decade. People UConn's honestly that. not even close. There yeah. are, I think they're they were seventh, good eighth from the ago. bottom. They were pretty good. Even with that, though, they're only 38 and 84. <laughs> wow. I would have thought more than that. Yeah. Uh, Big East apologist that I am. Uh, maybe Akron? No. They're right alongside uh, right alongside UConn. So the worst is Give Kansas by far. Is it really? Wow. 21 and 99. Georgia State. Proud alum. So Georgia State played 34 fewer games than Kansas, and they won five more games. <laughs> Texas State played 24. Your boy Everett Withers. Texas State played Oof. 24 fewer games, and they won nine more games in Kansas. So Everett Kansas had, had, had uh, 21 wins too. last decade. New Mexico State won 29 games. UTEP won 34. And then you bump up to like the, a pack of kind of 
UNLV 35, Akron 37, New Mexico 37, UConn 38. Uh, Eastern Michigan, that's surprising, even with how shitty the decade started at 40. Then you get into like Purdue, Oregon State, Tulane, all those teams. So Kansas is still by far the worst. And I think this is, unless we still have, we still have a few G5 teams. We'll do a few more G5s and then we'll get into P5. Uh, The only two teams left from the American, unless I'm missing somebody, is USF and Tulsa. I think they both have to be in this neighborhood. In seven or in eight? In seven. Okay, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can put him there, even though Philip Montgomery has been really underwhelming. I thought that was going to work a lot better last year. They showed a little bit. I think they have to be in here. Uh, I think San Jose State, I think what Brent Brennan has showed, I think last year, going into last year and going into the last several years, they probably would have been an eight. There's a lot to like about San Jose State, finally. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a year ago, kind of like Charlotte, if we did this a year ago, uh, comfortably San in the Jose State's definitely an eight. We would have been highlighting them as the dog shit. Too. Yeah, they they would have been like not even, not even just barely an eight. They would have been yeah. comfortably an eight. They're, yeah. They they would have been like good. a bottom three team. Uh, yes. Sorry, one more from the American East Carolina. I think they're absolutely in here. They're honestly probably near the top since uh, I mean you're driving that Mike Houston train pretty hard. I'm aboard it too, but I think they're comfortably in here. No discussion of that I assume. Yeah, I think the the interesting part about East Carolina is how long do they hang on to Houston? Because he is, I mean, and and look, I'm speaking from personal experience. You know, I've interviewed Mike a lot, so I I know the guy. But Mike is a guy on a train to a high-profile Power 5 job. Like, he... He is going he's to going to NC State now. in two years. Like he's the next, and like he that he's gonna get that type of job, and and he's gonna have one after that. I mean, he I, I put him in a very high echelon of Power Five coaches. He he's very very good. Where is he? So, give me an answer here. Don't just beat around the bush. Where is he coaching ten years from right now? Since I know you think so highly of him, I'm curious. I think he will have like the next stop. I think he'll be, be in the SEC. So I, 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 can we agree that the next stop will be like an NC State, like a Wake Forest, that type of Yeah, job? he knows the Carolinas really, really right. well. And then after that, I mean, what's the next, like, like an Ole Miss type, like a Mississippi State type of job? Maybe or South Carolina. I think yeah. that would be a good fit for him. I think he knows those those that recruiting area really, really well. I would say pretty much better than anybody going right now. I wonder um, if he could jump from East Carolina to South Carolina. No, I, I think he would go NC State, South Carolina. Yeah. Interesting. South Carolina in 10 years. Put some money on that. What do you think the odds are? Probably pretty favorable for you. I think you'd have to have somebody create that bet for you. But yeah, it'd be pretty that. high. Anyway, East Carolina without Mike Houston, the question is, what do you think they'll do? Because I don't think they're going to hold on to him for more than a handful of years. But East Carolina, historically, has had good resources. Right. You know, they, they've been... They were probably a neighborhood above program. this for most of the last decade. Several neighborhoods above this for most yeah. of the last. I mean, decade. ten years ago they were beating West Virginia. They were beating Virginia Tech. They were, right. you know, they were in it. So, yeah. I, I think you, you like you said, you comfortably have to put them in, in neighborhood seven because they are not as bad as they've been the last couple of years. They're not that as a program. They just mm-hmm. had a couple of really dreadful years. It uh, looks like I have. 10 more G5 teams that I think probably should be in here, at least a discussion to be had, and then I think the rest are probably uh, a drop down. North Texas is an interesting one. I mean, a year ago, talk about a team that we probably would have put at least a neighborhood or two above this. Everybody's been aboard the South Latrell train for a while now. Last year was just a total disaster. They had some injuries, but not that many. I think they finished 4-8. and eight. I mean, South Latrell was supposed to be at Kansas State, and that fell apart. So I think last year or two years ago, they're comfortably probably in this neighborhood, maybe one above it. I still think even with last year, 
I still have faith in Latrell that they're in this neighborhood with East Carolina, San Jose State, Tulsa in that ballpark. Yeah, they're definitely seven. I don't. I don't think Eastern, yeah, Eastern Michigan's there. definitely in here too. We can agree with that. Yes. Troy, I didn't love the Chip Lindsay hire, but I think they're in here too. Yes. Uh, what do you think about Rice? I know that you you kind of hopped aboard the Rice train a little bit, and you, you pulled me aboard it a little bit last year. When I think you said they're going to be the best one eleven team in college football history, and they honestly were. Like Rice was not that bad of a team last year. I think they finished like three and nine, maybe or, or two and ten. I don't know how much faith I have in them for an entire decade, though. Yeah, uh, they were definitely an interesting team against the spread last year. Rice for the next decade. I don't know. I don't think, but I also don't think like we're going to be laughing at Rice every yeah, year. Yeah, I think they're neighborhood seven, but I think they definitely don't have the nicest house on the block. Like they, no. they, um, they're a little over leveraged. They, uh, they, they made a deck extension that maybe they shouldn't have, and now you know they had to take out a second mortgage on the house. Like they've, they've got some problems, but I think they're in this neighborhood. Two more Conference USA teams. We'll move through this pretty quickly. Middle, Middle Tennessee, I think even with last year, I think Rick Stockstill has proved that he can do it. We can agree with that, right? Yes. FIU, Butch Davis has proved that he can do it there before. They should be there, right? Yes. Uh, two more from the Mountain West, UNLV and Colorado State. I have tried to hop aboard the UNLV, ta- uh, UNLV train like 60 times over the last 15 years. Say, I, mean, I was pumping Tony Sanchez 24-7 for like four years straight. And he actually did a decent job there. I thought he would have hopped for like a Texas Tech job by now. Instead, he's just fired. I have a hard time putting them in this neighborhood because they've been so bad for so long. And they've given me really no reason to think that they can actually be a 5-7 to win team consistently. Yeah, this is, I think, the closest we've gotten to a cusp team so far. It yeah. is You really have to think about them. Um, I... But are they that much different than like Rice? I mean, I have yeah, probably I think as much Rice faith is the in the comparison. I, I yeah. think they are in seven, but they're in trouble. And mm-hmm. if they don't, you know, if they don't come out and look good, the next one to two seasons, like that's that's I think one of the first teams you reevaluate if we revisit this two years from now. The other Mountain West, Colorado State. Um, I hated the Steve Adazio hire. I think, I remember if I recall correctly, you liked it a little bit better than I did. I don't think it's a great fit. I think it's a terrible offseason to do that. Obviously, Colorado State, even under Mike Bobo, like they weren't that bad. It's just before him, they were so much better uh, with their coaches getting poached. I think they still have to be in this neighborhood, even though I don't love the Adazio hire. I don't think he lasts there for more than a few years. And I think they make a pretty good hire after that. So I think they're still along. You can't put them below UNLV, basically. If we're putting UNLV in the seventh neighborhood, Colorado State cannot be below them. I agree. So they're seven. Yeah. Two Sun Belt teams, Louisiana Monroe and Georgia State. Uh, I actually like Georgia State a lot moving forward. Mon- so you're good with them in here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Monroe, I have no idea. Honestly, I don't have a clue where to put them. I think they're honestly probably one of the more underrated programs nationally. Over the last decade, Fun I mean, wrong. going, I mean, looking at this list that I have pulled up here, they're nowhere near the bottom. They're not like a 500 team over the last decade, but they're still in the same ballpark. At I mean, they they won almost as many games, 48. Indiana won 49 last decade. They won the same number of games in Miami, Ohio, more than Rice, more than Illinois, more than Colorado, more than San Jose State, Kent State, Tulane, all those teams. I think they're extremely underrated. I don't think they're in the point where we're all laughing at them. They had those P5 wins earlier in the decade. They haven't done a ton nationally. I don't know if they're relevant, but I also don't think that they're in the laughable category. Yeah, they're seven. 
Well, great. I didn't need to make that big of an argument for him then, nope. did I? Liberty. It I want to, to just this, like put liberty in their own dumbass category, but honestly, I think they're probably in this. Yeah, they, there's too much money. There's too much investment. Liberty, liberty is seven, and you know, a lot of people don't like them. I get why I don't like them, but you can't put them in eight. They're too like good they're going to pay to be good. Like yeah, last correct. year's schedule was empty, and they didn't. Eight wins was not really eight wins. They beat just a ton of dog shit teams last year. It was more like a four or five win teams. But Liberty, they're going to put their money into the program, and they're going to pay to be good. I mean, talk about programs that, unfortunately, that you trust moving forward quite a bit. Oddly, I trust Liberty moving forward because they're so batshit crazy, and they're just going to put money into their program. You can speak more on that than I can, but I don't even want to talk about Liberty at all. People people knock the Hugh Freeze thing. I mean, Hugh Freeze was an SEC coach. A good one. Yeah, and he's at a program that moved to FBS like two years ago. So th- that's pretty tough to criticize for for what they are, for the neighborhood they're in, no pun intended. Like that's a pretty solid hire. So speaking The only other ones that I don't there. think are definitely in the laughable category, I want to hear your take on Old Dominion first. Uh, I think ODU is an eight. Is it because you don't love Ricky Ronnie moving forward? Is it because they haven't shown anything in their short time in the FBS? Why are we keeping them in eight? I think they're in eight. They're a program with no fan support, no no fan base, no co- no established sort of coaching rhythm. They have no momentum as a program. The only thing they have going for them is when you look at mid-Atlantic recruiting they are in a very good spot for recruits. But the recruits, it's a relatively new program. And a lot of those recruits, after the first couple recruiting classes that they pulled off, they don't want to go to ODU. They don't want to play in front of an empty stadium with a program that has no real history. They want to go to Virginia Tech. A few of them might want to go to UVA. They want to go to Penn State. They want to go to Maryland. They don't want to play for ODU. So the fact that they're in a rich area, a rich recruiting area, and it really hasn't helped them that much beyond the first couple of years. I just don't think they are going anywhere. Um, and I, I, I hesitate to even bring up the fan thing, but I do think it's symptomatic of their greater problem, which is they just kind of exist to exist. And again, this, this isn't necessarily like a primary factor, but we talked several episodes ago about like money problems at ODU and, and the teams that they've cut. And now we've seen that bleed over into several other programs, including Stanford last week. I, I think when you have a football team that is listless and lifeless, it, like this is all of that kind of plays together multiplicatively and it's a problem. And when I see listless programs that are one in 11, uh, it just, that's what neighborhood eight looks like to me is just, why are you even here? What are you doing? Wow. I mean, that was that was a full two, three minutes maybe, just taking a giant, giant shit on Old Dominion. Yeah. I mean... Welcome to the show, Old Dominion fans, if we have any. <laughs> if we didn't Great scare to have off here. the last episode. Stick around, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but no, I don't I'm think I said anything that. wrong, yeah. though. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, I have 12 teams that I think for sure are in the bottom, bottom neighborhood. I don't think you're going to disagree with me, so I'm just going to run through them quickly. Tell me at the end if you have a problem with it. Coastal Carolina, Texas State, UTSA, South Alabama, Old Dominion. We just talked about them. Bowling Green, UTEP, New Mexico State, New Mexico, Akron, UConn, and UMass. You're good with not keeping them in this seventh neighborhood. 
Uh, that was really fast, and I might have missed a couple, but I think it all sounded pretty good. I think South Alabama is an interesting case because they're so new. But they're so, so bad. They're they, so they are, far away from being good. They're, they're bad, and they're not close to being good. You are correct. Yeah, and as much as I want to say Steve Campbell can do it because he's won elsewhere, I just I don't think they've done an, a year from now. We can revisit it, but I don't think that they've done enough. I think they have five wins last two years. They need to give me more. Fair enough, Brittany. I don't know what that means. Give me more, man. Come on. I don't know what that means. Oh. You need to study ha! the Britney Spears discography, sir. Anywho, P5. 11 P5 teams by my account that we have not put into a neighborhood yet. Illinois, Arizona, Purdue, Arkansas, Texas State, Texas Tech, Oregon State, Colorado, Kansas, Maryland, Rutgers, Vanderbilt. Even though Kansas had by far the fewest wins last decade, do you think they're in the bottom, bottom spot? I do not. I don't think so either. And I'm trying not to be blinded because I'm finally optimistic about this program for the first time in like 11 years. I don't think they're in the bottom spot. I don't know. Any of these, I think that Vanderbilt's the only strong, strong case to be in the bottom. Really? And I think that there's something to be had, something to be said about Colorado, Rutgers, Maryland, and maybe Arkansas, even though I like Arkansas's potential, there's no denying how bad they've been. Who do you think belongs in the bottom, bottom of the P5, if anyone? I think Rutgers is a lock for neighborhood eight. You're not buying Shiano second time around? Is that it? Uh, it's it's not necessarily Shiano because I think he's probably the right hire. And he, he, he specifically knows, I think, what to do with that job. But Rutgers, it's kind of like ODU. That, well, it's not like ODU. But <laughs> like not at it's, all. It's not at all like ODU. But the, the way it is a little bit like ODU is that there are multiple factors contributing to how they are where they are. That is a near impossible job that no one can actually do well. Your best hope is to be occasionally mediocre. What Shiano did before. Your best hope is that you're in the consistent six to eight. We talked about like Oregon State briefly, the ceiling there, and we'll get to them in a little yeah. bit. That's but, like that's your best best case. I think you know what they kind of are like Old Dominion, where it's like, well, New Jersey high school football is extremely good. It's very underrated. A lot of kids. But have nobody come out in there. New Jersey wants to go to Rutgers or Princeton. Right. Everybody like to... Wisconsin is coming in there and poaching Jonathan Taylor. Like Dude, Michigan JMU is, coming... is coming in there and poaching New Jersey. Right. Kids. Like I mean, everybody. Like, Michigan came in action. and got Rashawn Gary. Like Rashawn Gary is not gonna go there. Like all these players are from there, but. There are so many, and even though it's like Northeast Northeast colleges aren't great and all, like they're not fending off Maryland all that much, but there are other programs from everywhere coming in New Jersey. So it's great you're in this spot, yeah. but you've done nothing to show that you can actually keep the, I'm fine with putting them in here. I, I, it's not, it's not just that though. I think the Big Ten East is part of the problem too. Yeah. When, I mean, when we were talking about Shiano winning fifth? six or seven games, that was in the Big East, right? Yeah. Well, welcome to the Big Ten. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, how do you good do luck that winning nine... six or seven games in the Big Ten East? Right, right nine game schedule. You're hoping, hoping to go like four and five and catch some of these yeah. teams like on an off year. Maybe. Like, if you go two and seven, you might get a contract bonus. Yeah, at Rutgers. That's. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, that bad. you were surprised at Vanderbilt. I just don't know. I know it's a brutally hard job. I just don't know. I think Derek Mason's probably gone within a year or two, and I don't know who you can possibly hire. I mean, 
Vanderbilt administration has been cycled through so many head coaches, so many athletic directors, so many senior ADs that I don't know who on earth you can hire to make me think that they're even in the same neighborhood as some of these other P5 teams. I, I think my surprise was more about the fact that you were leading with Vanderbilt than you were suggesting them. Because I, I think there's a case to make that they're an eight. Uh, I just would have led with Rutgers or, or maybe even Arkansas. So you let me put Vanderbilt in eight. Vanderbilt in eight. I th- with the SEC East getting better, I do think you probably have to put them in eight. But when I look at them... I don't. I guess I don't have like the immediate punchline reaction that them? I have when I think of Rutgers with Vanderbilt. What's the argument for them being in seven though? I mean, think of what their ceiling has been. Like yep. James Franklin won eight games, and everyone just blew their load, and he got a prime prime job. Mm-hmm. But he I mean, did win eight like, games there. That's like best best dream scenario. Mm-hmm. Like I. I there, I don't even see Derek Mason getting anywhere close to that, and that's what we're talking about for seven. Where, yeah, I mean, put him in eight. Nobody talks about Vanderbilt football. Yeah, you're right. Put him in eight. Uh, Maryland and Colorado, I think, are the only two that we need to talk about for eight. We talked about Maryland and Colorado a little bit, saying we just don't know what direction they're going here. I don't know what direction at all. I mean, Maryland is kind of kind of the same as Rutgers a little bit. I think that Maryland probably should be better than they are. They're in a decent recruiting area, maybe even above average recruiting area. But again, a lot of teams coming in there to take their players. I don't like Mike Loxley moving forward. I don't think he's going to be there long term. And I have no idea who you're going to hire. I don't know. I'm not against putting them in seven, but I don't know if they're that much different than Rutgers or Vandy moving forward. Yeah, I think they're seven. Uh, they're, They're bad. They're disappointing. I don't disagree with a lot of the things that you said. They are a really disappointing program, even if they do have a challenging schedule. But I don't think they're like a laughing stock bad. I mean, they they have had they weren't that bad last decade. They have had some wins, even recently, where you go, okay, all right, Maryland. You know, like we they were in the top twenty five in like mid September last season. So I don't think they're. Neighborhood eight bad. I think they're seven. I think they're disappointing. I think it would be more interesting if they were better, particularly because I am in the DMV over here. But yeah, they're seven. Yeah, I think I'm fine with that. I don't think we realize, and all the DJ Durkin stuff, the unfortunate situation with Jordan McNair, I think that, I want to say this very delicately, that overshadowed a lot of wins and a lot of on the field success. Like I'm not saying, and please don't misconstrue my words at all here, but I, I think that Maryland people don't realize that Maryland was not that bad last decade. They started hot. They were mediocre for a lot of it. They were complete shit for a lot of it, but they weren't uh, that bad. So put them in seven. We both agree that Kansas is in seven as well. Mm-hmm. I think Illinois, Arizona, Purdue, Arkansas, and Texas tech are also in seven. I agree. Arkansas is the interesting one there for me just because they are going to be a punching bag for the SEC West for the foreseeable future. Uh, But I still think they have the means to put some wins together, and I don't think you could say that about Rutgers or Vanderbilt. Oregon State, I would love them in seven if you'll give them to me. Sure. I think Colorado, I would put them anywhere. I, I think the Carl Durrell hire was so bad. We kind of talked about them last week. I don't know what direction they're going. I can't believe they're able to hang on to. I think they had like the 35th or 36th best recruiting class in the country last year. I can't believe they're able to hang on to that. Maybe that suggests that I should trust Darrell a little bit, but I don't 
by last year, I mean 2020, I don't know what, I mean, they have zero top 1,000 recruits signed or committed for 2021. I get that it's early and they can grab some guys. It's a weird year. Some guys are going to fall through the cracks, all that stuff. I don't know how you can look at Colorado in five years and say they're going to be a six or a seven win team. I think it's going to get really, really bad in Boulder, unfortunately. You you have spoken a lot more eloquently about Colorado than I have. Uh, so I, I would definitely trust your judgment. I I don't think they are eight bad. Uh, I think I think they're seven. They kind of like Maryland, like disappointing, question some of the decisions. Uh, maybe even they're on some sort of like probationary period where if they miss their mortgage at some point in the next six months, like they're going to be foreclosed on. But I think they're neighborhood seven. I think you make a fine argument. I don't see it. I could see the argument that they're not going to be that much worse than they were. Like under John Embry, they were terrible. But I could see them not being that much worse than they were in the final Dan Hawkins days. The bad to mediocre Mike McIntyre days. Obviously the one year, I think it was 17, 16 or 17. I thought it was 18. It wasn't 18. I know it wasn't 18 because McIntyre was gone after 18. They went from 5 to 10 to 5. I think it was 16 or 17 when they went to the Big Ten uh, Pac-12 championship game. I'm fine with that because I think that they'll probably – I could see the argument for four to six wins. I just think it's going to be really bad for a long time and they won't quite get there. But I'm fine putting them aside. You know what? It it was 17 because I wrote a column in 2013 about how uh, when weed was legalized in Colorado – one recruiting class later, I thought Colorado would mysteriously get good, and it happened. And then I like found the old screenshots of it and was taking a victory lap on Twitter about it. So I think we have everybody in that one. I'm not going to read off these, but cause we have, shit, 37 teams. Uh, one note was Boston College and Syracuse. They didn't make it into six before. I assume that you're good with them being in this one. Yes, there's Were certainly you really not thinking about it. No, they, they, I, I I was thinking about the six part of it. I was like, oh, did we not put them in six? But you're right, we did not put them in six. No, we didn't put them in six. So that yeah. leaves, uh, yeah, again. So we're at thirty, thirty-seven teams, I think, in that neighborhood. So that leaves one, two, three, four, t- fourteen teams in the bottom neighborhood: Vanderbilt, Rutgers, Coastal Carolina, Texas State, UTSA, South Alabama, ODU, Bowling Green, UTEP, New Mexico, New Mexico State. Akron, UConn, and UMass. Do we want to pluck a few out and really highlight those achievement, uh, achievements for the next decade? Uh, I think. Are you okay? Are, are you are you still with us here? I am. I'm. I'm just. I'm dazzled by all the terribleness. I think. I I think 2019 Akron was one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. Yep. Can they do even worse? They're also one of those teams where I'd like to see them. And seems like you were with me on this. I oddly watched like several Akron games, oh, they were like large parts. I don't know why. I don't know if it was a fascination or I just happened to be not as busy those nights. But I watched an odd amount of Akron football. And that, like I kept the second half of the year, I started betting on them because it was like, oh well, everybody knows they're so terrible. There's going to be value the second half of the season. They were so bad that they were impervious to the like laws of gambling. They kept losing, even though the spreads kept getting bigger and bigger. It was amazing. That being said, I don't think that they're so. You kind of new mass are in this terrible, terrible neighborhood. If yeah. we are going to make one, I mean, you want to talk about uh, listless programs when when people like thousands of miles away from you, and I'm talking about UConn here, 
when people who have no no knowledge of your program other than the fact that you suck no forward momentum at all and people in like california are going honey i think it's time to go back to fcs like i think i think you might want to think about doing this yeah you have like a second grade art teacher in like bakersfield that hasn't watched a snap of college football in 40 years talking to the math teacher yeah I think it might be time for you kind of drop down. Well, like, that's and, and how bad it's gotten. I, I'm in a Facebook group that for uh, for the, that a lot of FCS football fans are in, and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. If UConn dropped down to the CAA, they wouldn't be good. They wouldn't be in the playoffs. They would miss the playoffs. They'd be a bottom half FCS team comfortably. I don't comfortably. know about all FCS because the the bottom of FCS is pretty dreadful. Yeah, it's like D3 bad. I get that. But they would still be probably out. What are there, 125 teams in the FCS? About they would not that, be a yeah. top 50 team. They would not be a top 50 team. No. No, not even close. No. That's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. Anyways, UConn, UMass is in here. I think UTEP and New Mexico State would be in this shit neighborhood, too. Yeah, uh, UTEP is very bad. UMass is. I, I have a friend who's the beat writer for UMass football and just. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that poor guy. Probably not even getting paid that much either. No, journalists make like six figures. What are you talking about? Yeah, so do SIDs. <laughs> Ton of money. So much money in SIDs. Kids, go after that. UTEP, New Mexico State, UConn, UMass. I don't think Akron's in here, honestly. For how bad they were, they weren't bad not long ago. I think that somebody can win there. If it's Tom Arth, I have no idea. But I don't think that Akron is anywhere near... UTEP, New Mexico, they might have had the worst season that we've seen like over the last decade, but I don't think moving forward that they're in this bottom, bottom, bottom shit neighborhood. I think that's fair. I, th- I think don't overreact to a horrible 2019 season. Uh, that That's fair. Okay. I don't even know why we're doing this. Do we really need a bottom, bottom neighborhood? Like a Like a bottom, like not just you're in the last neighborhood, but you're in like like government housing. Yeah, we we do need this. I'm sorry. We do need this. We deserve this. We we do. You know what? And government housing is the right metaphor for this too. Like I I don't want to like dance too heavily on what could be a sensitive subject, but we're talking about football programs at universities that are publicly subsidized and they're terrible. I thought you were kind of going down the road of where like I don't mean to be racist, but no, 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 I mean, no, no, you need no, to no, say no. something super racist. Let's, let's not go there. It's like whenever you leave, but. yeah, I don't mean to be an asshole, but I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is in here. Like, I mean, do you want to put Texas State, Coastal Carolina? No, I don't... Texas State I think got better after they yeah. fired Withers. I think I... UTSA probably isn't in here. Coastal Carolina was not that bad. Coastal they Carolina finally... was relatively close to bowl eligibility last year. I think, I think, I think they they're going missed, in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even think like Bowling Green is in here. I don't think, I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think New Mexico is in here. Like it's New gotten Mexico really State, bad really maybe. quickly. Sorry. New Mexico state, maybe New Mexico state's in here. It's yeah. Utah, New Mexico yeah. state. Utah, New Mexico, I, for they sure. could, they could be two years away from being halfway decent. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if anybody else is in here. I think that you put Vandy, Rutgers, Coastal Carolina, Texas State, UTSA, South Alabama, ODU. Why do all these shit teams have two-word names? What is that? Maybe there's a correlation there. Because if all the terribleness was like, com- just like packed into one word, the universe Well, our top two neighborhoods have nine total teams. Nine total teams in our top two neighborhoods. Only one has a two-word name. 
There you go. Even if you go on to the next neighborhood, there are eight teams in there. Only two have a two-word name. Interesting. I think that you have to put only UTEP, New Mexico State, UConn, UMass in the what-the-fuck-are-you-doing neighborhood. <laughs> Fair. Why is Randy Etzel getting bonuses for picking up first downs in the fourth quarter? <laughs> Maybe it's a Randy Etzel bonus neighborhood. I don't know why we spend so much time talking about UConn and UMass. Because that's what the people deserve. I think that we've we've done our civic duty. This was a hell of a project. Looking back on it, I think it's easy to see that where we might have messed up. I remember that, that somebody had tweeted at us about how they loved this and the show and everything. And I was kind of looking back at who we put in different neighborhoods. And already, I think that we messed up on some of them. Like I remember when we put Iowa State above, you had instant regret there. I think I this is one of those things that if we were to just completely scrap everything. If we started and do it again, again tomorrow, we would make totally different choices for some people. Completely yeah. different choice. Even if you kept the same foundation of the neighborhood, I think you make completely different choices for... The top two or three might say the same, but beyond that, you'd probably make different choices. But you know what? To put a nice bow on it here, that's part of what makes college football great. Isn't it? It is. If we get college football this year. Sure hope so. So we do have nine neighborhoods that have college football teams. It started with Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma back. I think it was June 22nd. We started this three-ish weeks ago. It now ends with UConn, UMass, New Mexico State. And who was the fourth one? UTEP in there. Did we blow this? What did we get wrong? What did we get right? Tweet at us at High Motor Pod, at A Dowdy88, at Chase A Kitty. Curious your thoughts on this. So, what are we going to do next week? Talk about uh, like produce, Sorkin, maybe, pitch perfect, avocados, weather, avocados, healthy fats, mm. mono, I think we'll probably unsaturated. Do... We're going to do a lot of scheduling stuff over the next few weeks. Chase and I were talking about something uh, off air before we hopped on. A lot of schedule analysis, a lot of playoff talk. Uh, and then kind of roll with see if we get some announcements from the other P5 schools. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast. Thanks for listening to this College Football Neighborhood Series. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. I saw a friend today, it had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside, the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces